This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston, your co-host, who is by himself today. But hey, we miss a lot of Wednesdays, so actually half of us are here today. I don't know where Charlie is, but we he will be missed. We normally try to do a White Pill Wednesday episode on Wednesdays. That was Amanda's idea, and it's basically created like the toughest day of the week to come up with content. So yeah, that is the one that we skip sometimes. There's not a ton of really great news items out there. This is going to be a partially white pill Wednesday. By that, I mean there's like two to three stories that are kind of white pills. And then there's a couple other stories that are definitely not white pills. They just happen to be in the partially white pill Wednesday episode. So if this is your first time listening, first off, know that there's normally two of us. We appreciate you being here. I am only half of a whole, (laughs) whatever. Uh, But make sure that you follow and subscribe and listen every single day of the week when we want to. All right. First thing I wanted to talk about, not exactly a white pill. It could be for Elon Musk, I guess. But there is some stuff going on with this whole Twitter thing. We've been talking about this. It seems like all a year now. I don't know. It's been, been a few months now. But you know that Elon put in his bib. Uh, 54.20 a share for Twitter. Finally going to have this nice free speech platform that's got millions and millions of people on it. It's not just a a right-wing or left-wing echo chamber. It's got a lot of people from everywhere. I was actually kind of excited about the idea, as I'm sure a lot of other people were. And there were a lot of people who weren't excited. But then Elon Musk decides that he's going to pull out uh, for the first time in his life. And he decides that he does not want to own Twitter anymore. Now we're going into a lawsuit where the loser of the lawsuit is the one who has the regretful duty of owning Twitter. And so that's what the loser of the lawsuit gets. But now we've got, we've got this whistleblower coming out. Of course, he's trying to back out of the deal. Maybe it's a negotiation tactic to try and get the number down just a bit. Or maybe he is, uh, I think, kind of what Amanda just said, trying to get Twitter to show their bot data. Maybe this entire time this was a plan to just put Twitter up in court and expose them for uh, how terrible they actually were. Maybe he's just been trying to take down the platform the entire time. He wants to basically, he wants to delegitimize the platform. And that was his his entire idea was just to destroy it. I don't know if it would have that effect, uh, that effect that he thinks it might have, because at this point, we all kind of enjoy it anyway, and everyone's addicted to it, and all the people on the left, well, they get to echo chamber and and censor all the stuff that they want, so who cares if there's a lot of fake people on there? It makes me feel good. That's fine. But anyway, this whistleblower comes out, 
and it seems to be a pretty big deal. That's a, it's really all going to be determined by whether or not he's got some actual proof and not just some accusations. There's a few important things from Twitter's former head of security who's blowing the whistle on company practices that he says have jeopardized U.S. national security and misled investors and regulators. He had a 200-page disclosure to the U.S. government. His name is, I'm going to call him Peter Zatko, although I might, it might be Piter. How would you guys say P-E-I-T-E-R? I don't know which one it would be. That kind of seems like it could be Piter, could be Pater, could be Pater. Who knows? Zatko levels a barrage of devastating allegations that U.S. lawmakers who have received the disclosure say are extremely concerning. He is a highly respected cybersecurity expert with experience in senior roles at Google, Stripe, and the Defense Department. And he's claiming Twitter is full of critical security flaws, may not be deleting the data of users who leave the platform as it's required to do, and has misled the public about its spam account problem. And it may currently have foreign intelligence agents on the payroll. And that it hasn't lived up to years of legal obligations stemming from an earlier privacy settlement with the FTC. This is from CNN Business. That's the uh, the article I'm reading from right now. I also was reading one from the Washington Post. Of course, this is everywhere right now. So one of the things he says, it's uh, riddled with security vulnerabilities. The data is not secure. The company routinely lets thousands of employees uh, accounting for half of its workforce and all its engineers work directly on its live product and interact with user data, actual user data. So that's kind of dangerous, I guess. They could also, they, he said that they could be doing a better job to calculate the amount of spam accounts or the bot accounts, but it's choosing not to. So basically they're saying that, yeah, they could look into it and figure out the exact amount of bots they have or a way better number, but that would be bad for the company and its financial position. It's better for them if they hide that amount, clearly, because that means they have more monetizable people, real people, uh, which adds to the value of the company. So they just, it's not that they know the number and they've hidden it. It's that they know that they could get the number, but they've chosen to remain ignorant of the number. So, I'm not sure that all these accusations are really going to help in the lawsuit unless there's some actual data to back all of this up. And I did find one thing kind of funny that Twitter told CNN that this claim that it doesn't know how many bots are on its platform is lacking context. Fact check, missing context from Twitter. They reiterated that not all bots are bad. So you want to keep that in mind. As well, due to Twitter's weak overall cybersecurity stance, foreign governments that gain access to the company or that can find leverage against it could do enormous damage to U.S. interests and national security, the disclosure alleges. The threat is not theoretical, according to the report. It claims that shortly before Zatko was fired in January from Twitter, the U.S. government gave Twitter a specific tip that one or more of its employees was working for a foreign intelligence agency. The disclosure also claims that Twitter has taken money from Chinese sources and shared information in return that could potentially lead to the identification of Chinese Twitter users who have illegally circumvented government censorship in order to access the platform. Man, 
what a shady, crappy thing to do, you know? They decide that people can't use the platform, and then the Chinese government, if that's true, this is what we're claiming and alleging via this document, that the government pays the company to tell them the identities of the people or the locations or whatever the data is that can identify the people that are illegally, according to Chinese law, using an app on their phone. And then they also made a lot of commitments to the FCC, FTC, not the FCC, uh, that they are saying that they have not lived up to whatsoever. Is this all going to matter? We will see. I tend to, you know, I, I, I want Musk to take over Twitter. I wish he still wanted to do it. I don't want to force him into it. If he wants out of it and he can get out of it legally, then, then that's okay. I think it would be a good thing for someone who cares about free speech to actually take over Twitter. And as we said before, this is either him trying to reduce the price on it, or this has all just been a plan to try and destroy Twitter's, almost called it Titter, but instead it's called Twitter. There's a W in there, uh, just to try and destroy Twitter's reputation as a company. I'm not sure how much that'll work. But anyway, we'll pay attention to this, see how it goes. We'll see what happens in court. Let's go on to something else. Oh, a little funny tweet here from Elon Musk saying, give a little whistle. Look at that. He's excited right now. I wonder if this guy tipped him off beforehand. Just one little thing that popped up in my mind. I wonder if they've been talking uh, a little bit beforehand. Well, as you guys know, by June of this year, the NASDAQ had fallen 34% from the highs. Officially, we're in a bear market. How long will this bear market last? We don't know. But I do think it's a great idea to take advantage of these discounts while you still can. And by discounts, I mean the cheaper prices for ownership of some of these companies. Real money is made when the market crashes. That's when the rich make the right moves and they get richer. Just like from the COVID crash, we're still up. Even after this market crash this year, we are still up like 100% on the NASDAQ since then. So I want you guys to take advantage of this opportunity. But before you do that, you need to know what you're doing. That's why I created and I'm excited to tell everyone about my trading basics course for our Liberty Trading Academy. And you can find that at natescrashcourse.com. We can't make any guarantees in trading, but I can guarantee you that when the market recovers, you will regret not getting in at the right time. In this 100 video course, I start with the basics. What is trading? How much money do you need to start? What stock market brokers should you use and how do you use them? How do you read stock charts in the first place? And then we get into technical analysis, trend lines, support and resistance levels, volume indicators. We spend a lot of time on trading psychology, which if you don't know, is the most important part of trading. And then we go through at least four of my most commonly used strategies. This is not a monthly subscription. This is a single purchase of lifetime access to our private Discord server that hosts the entire 100 video course. And for a very limited, very limited amount of time. You can get 40% off your purchase by using the promo code CRASHCOURSE40 at natescrashcourse.com. That's N-A-T-E-S crashcourse.com. Invest in your future and your human capital today at natescrashcourse.com. So uh, an actual bit of white pill news. Unfortunately, this is, well, it's white pill depending on where you come down. And uh, since you're listening to this show, then we probably know where you come down on this. But this week, we did, in fact, get the news 
the solemn news that Anthony Fauci is going to be stepping down from his position as the medical advisor and the NIA ID director in December. That's very, very sad. Very, very sad stuff. He has been such a pillar of truth and consistency and science and mainly truth and mainly consistency throughout this entire time. He is the most humble public servant that we've ever had. And also, you know, the like the highest paid one that we've ever had too. But very humble. He's most known for his humbleness. And let's just, you know, I was going to say a lot of nice things about him, just how important he's been throughout the pandemic. But instead, we'll just listen to uh, what a bunch of other news outlets said about him because they already said all these nice things. So we can just let them tell you how they feel about them. As if people follow Fauci, there's likely a chance that COVID will go away. And if COVID goes away, it's bad right now for Republicans. It's just the math on this, the political math on this is not hard to figure out. There were very few heroes. Very few heroes in this pandemic, I noticed. Very I think favorite. Fauci was one of them. Fauci, Fauci, we at least can follow him. He changes things, but that's science, you know. You are uh, seen to many as a, a superhero. Anthony Fauci. American hero and New York Yankee fan. I'm a, I'm a Fauci groupie. I'm a thrice vaccinated mask adherent. I buy KN95 masks, buy the, you know, caseload. They're in every pocket. I wear them everywhere except when I sit down. Great news is you're sticking around in the Biden administration. We are so grateful to you, Dr. Fauci. Thanks very much for joining us. Please thank your entire team. Whenever you can be here, uh, it's, we'll have you. It's always an honor to have time with you. Thank you very much, uh, for everything that you do. Thank you for all your guidance this this past year good enough for you sir it's good enough for me and my family you make us smarter and safer and better every day thank you so much dr fauci (laughs) all right that was a pretty good one i have to tell you all it was actually a little bit tough to find some of those good old fauci montages of him flip-flopping i actually searched on on a youtube earlier and i guess i searched the wrong words I just wanted to see like a montage of Fauci's lies. So I searched Fauci lies so I could just get this montage because I'm not going to comb through. I've already seen plenty of these things, you know, and I actually haven't had this at the top of my YouTube before a fact check from my search on YouTube, which has been checked by PolitiFact. The claim Changing public health recommendations and scientific findings is proof that lawmakers and public health officials have been lying about the pandemic. That rating is that y'all just have a misunderstanding of the scientific process. So I'm glad that in my pursuit of this video montage, I was able to get myself a little fact check in uh, about all the flip-flopping that Fauci has done. But Let's just do a little bit of this flip-flopping here on masks, because this is kind of fun. With masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. Masks are protective, but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if in fact you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, 
But in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. (laughs) When the children go out into the community, you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 The pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric, actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Because now the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is is that right? I mean, you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here where you could get leakage in is much better contained are you a double masker dr fauci look like you are originated, originated in china um we only have a little time left i want to ask you sources are telling cnn the top health officials are weighing whether to revise mass guidelines for vaccinated americans are you part of those conversations and if so what are you advising do you think masks yeah. should be brought back for vaccinated americans I mean, come on, why would anyone confuse any of this consistent messaging that we've been getting out of Dr. Dr. Anthony Fauci? And why would anyone misconstrue any of this as uh, just trying to manipulate the public, trying to, yeah, just trying to control people, maybe? I don't know. It's kind of weird. And then, of course, this clip has been floating around. We might as well see what he has to say about natural immunity as well. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. And so she should if, not she get re- it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. Next, if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it, it's, the be- it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. <laughs> Oh, man, that's good stuff. It's called the Fauci effect, which is sort of like, you know, as trust me, I'm I, I don't get excited about that. <laughs> I mean, it's nice, but I mean, it's it's I, I, people go to medical school. Now, people are interested in science, not because of me, because people most people don't know me who I am. My friends know me. My wife knows me, but people don't know me. It's what I symbolize. And what I symbolize in, a, in an era of the normalization of untruths and lies and, and all the things you're seeing going on in society from January 6th to everything else that goes on, people are craving for consistency, for integrity, for truth, and for people caring about people. He is the most consistent person that we have seen when it comes to sciencing things. Oh, man. I just can't wait for all the investigations, you know, there's, we're still going to hear plenty from him. Unfortunately, I guess that goes against the whole white pill idea. We're still going to hear plenty from him. 
Uh, he's not officially, he's not retiring. He's just stepping down from these positions and moving on to other positions. But anyway, speaking of another, I was thinking, I was thinking the same thing, Tom. I had to stop myself uh, from saying it. This one is a little bit, uh, you know, a little late. We've already mentioned this before, but while we're talking about this whole Fauci thing right now, I just wanted to go to this article from Fee talking about how the CDC finally admitted the science on natural immunity and about how long it took. So they go in, they say, in August 2021, Science Magazine, which is a peer-reviewed academic journal, highlighted groundbreaking research out of Israel that upended the public health establishment, the research which relied on the database, enrolling some 2.5 million Israelis, uh, was led by Tal Patalam, who is head of the KSM Research and Innovation Center, found that previous infection from COVID-19 conferred considerably stronger and longer-lasting protection against the Delta variant than vaccines. The newly released data show people who once had a SARS-CoV-2 infection were much less likely than never-infected vaccinated people to get Delta, to develop symptoms from it, or become hospitalized with serious COVID-19. COVID Wabin also noted that the research showed that never-infected people who were vaccinated in January and February were, in June and July, in the first half of August, 6 to 13 times more likely to get infected than unvaccinated people who had previously had COVID. And so we have all that, and then we get... Not, we get, I mean, it's been like a, it's been like a year now upon releasing their new pandemic guidance, the CDC epidemiologists explained to reporters that many of what many have been saying for more than a year, both vaccines and prior infection offer protection from severe symptomatic COVID. So now they've flip-flopped on this. And one thing I didn't see about the guidance, and this is uh, thanks to Hannah Cox for posting this out there was that on the new COVID-19 guidance, it says unvaccinated people now have the same guidance as vaccinated people. That is very, very different from the pandemic of the unvaccinated that we were dealing with, according to the media, according to Fauci, according to Biden, the White House, and all of that. Um, it's just good. I know it always takes some time. It always takes some time, but we won. We won on this one. Fauci's stepping down. We're not going to have to worry about him controlling our lives, although we don't know exactly uh, what we're going to do and what he's going to be doing now. Could be worse. And the person who replaces him could be worse. Always keep that in mind. But hey, still good news. One other good thing that we'll just run through real fast. We talk a lot about nuclear power. And we did speak on this whole nuclear fusion breakthrough a while back, it's actually been confirmed now that they had a nuclear fusion breakthrough. So they did this at a lab in California. Uh, researchers recorded the first case of ignition on August 8th, 2021, the results of which have now been published in three peer-reviewed papers. This nuclear fusion is the process that powers the sun and other stars. Now, we don't want to go into all the science about it, but here's the cool part. Once this occurs, it becomes a self-sustaining power, self-sustaining energy afterwards. This is what we're talking about when we talk about all the craziness going on. You know, they're going to spend uh, three, four hundred billion dollars on climate stuff in this latest bill. I don't know how much of that's going to nuclear fusion research, but what they do seem to be doing is putting a lot of money into these old, old technologies that I believe will be obsolete 
in the next 10 to 20 years. And there are a lot of actual solutions to these problems that have no emissions, by the way, and would be a, a limitless source of energy, almost. The good news about this is that there are solutions to these problems if you're concerned about the environment, just like we say on pretty much every White Pill Wednesday, because I am concerned about what the government is going to do to try and solve the climate crisis that we are all experiencing every time that it's hot or it rains or it doesn't rain or the wind blows or it doesn't blow or it's cold or it snows or it doesn't snow or there's a tornado or there's not a tornado or there's a hurricane or there aren't any hurricanes. We are dealing with the effects of climate change and I don't know what they're going to do about it. And I don't know what the rest of the controlling entities around the world are going to do about it, but there are real solutions and those might be developed whether these people want it to be or not. So keep that in mind. Maybe, just maybe, some people are going to come up with a solution to this, even though the government is not pushing us towards it. It's going to be so freaking obvious that that's what we have to go towards. That's what I'm hoping for. We're going to take a break from the rosy colored news sources here for a minute so I can just point out a couple things. One thing that's bad, and Amanda, I mean, you're, I know that you're in California, and I'm sure you already know this, but I have to tell everyone, Gavin Newsom's going to be running for president, all right? So we're going to have to deal with this. It, the, the white pill about this is that it's going to give us plenty of content. So that's the good thing. I'm looking forward to all of the content. So this is not an announcement that he's running for president, but he did veto the safe injection site pilot program in California. So what are these safe injection sites? These are like government sanctioned drug sites where you can go to do drugs and you can make sure that you do your drugs safely and you can have clean needles and you can have someone there if you, if you overdose or whatever. Listen, we can have plenty of arguments about whether or not people should do drugs. Um, I would say I don't agree with this program. The only reason I would say that is because they're going to take money from people against their will and put it towards helping people do these drugs. And since I'm against taking money from people against their will, I don't think they should be able to do this. Now, if charities wanted to do this and have these safe drug programs, well, that's, that's fine. If they're going to use a voluntarily given money to put towards that, then that's fine. I'm glad he vetoed this thing because <clears throat> that's some taxpayer money that doesn't have to go towards this program. Why did he veto it? <clears throat> because it, it just wasn't set up well enough. They didn't have the right leadership in place. They're really, really worried about um, their programs working out perfectly. Uh, they never do anything that doesn't look like it's going to be perfect. <clears throat> so, no, the actual reason they did this, I'm speculating. This is speculation. And he vetoed this because he's going to be running for president. And what he does not want as a talking point is that he is just freely fueling the drug addiction problem in California. And he doesn't want to have that as a talking point. That is my opinion on the matter. The other thing that's weird about this, and we have a couple instances of this thing going on. You guys know that whole democracy thing. We talk a lot about democracy. People do. We're losing democracy. You know, the people don't have any power. We just have tyrants and dictators. Well, the, the Congress in California did pass this. I mean, he vetoed the bill. They, they passed this whole idea. You know, they voted pretty overwhelmingly for this to go forward. And then he decided to veto it. 
this kind of seems like a dictatorship y'all got out there, but he'll get a pass on that. And I do realize that executives can veto bills. I'm, I'm just, I'm being sarcastic right now. I'm being facetious right now, but I wonder if people are going to be making that point. Oh, he's a fascist dictator, the will of the people, the people's representatives. Uh, they went out there and they voted in favor of this. And then he just decided that they couldn't do it. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't think that that's going to be the case. I'm not going to go through the entire article. I just wanted to warn everyone that that's something that's it's, it's going to happen. It really is the only part that makes sense to me. So here's an article I wanted to do yesterday. We talked a lot about the student debt relief that uh, did get announced today. It's a little bit worse than what we thought, but it's, uh, you know, it's not 50K per person or whatever. Plenty of dumb bleep content from everything that's being said out there today. So we'll talk plenty about it on Friday. Um, but that did officially happen. Not for me, even though I've got about 25K left to pay on my 18K worth of student loans that I took out when I went to college and I've been paying on them the entire time. Um, not going to help me any because I wasn't able to get any federal loans. Mine are still held privately. So, and that's a weird part of it, right? Like what's the principle of the matter? The, you know, if you're saying this, like the principle of the matter should be, well, kids are in debt or people are in debt from going to school. Otherwise the kids People are in debt from going to school, and that's something that they shouldn't have to deal with. Now, I realize there's legal barriers to Biden doing this. It just sets a weird principle, and we're like, why do I have to keep paying mine? Or why didn't I get almost half of my loans knocked off? Well, just because they're held privately? Well, why isn't the government just cutting the check to those private lenders, you know, to knock out that? I, I know Congress would have to go through and do that. I just want to make sure that people remain principled in their ridiculously terrible ideas. But anyway, all that being said, we had this New York Times article from yesterday. Economic aid, once plentiful, is falling off at a painful moment. Now, you'll understand why I wanted to talk about this. They're talking about Oregon, and they're talking about this food bank in Oregon, so we're going to center a lot of this conversation around that, but it's a problem that a lot of people are dealing with right now. They never really pinpoint what the problem is. They mention it. They have a sentence mentioning what possibly could be the problem. For the better part of last year, the pandemic eased its grip on Oregon's economy. A wash in federal assistance, including direct checks to individuals and parents, many of the state's most vulnerable found it easier to afford food, housing, and other daily staples. Most of that aid has run out at a particularly bad moment. Prices for everything from eggs to gas to rent have spiked. Demand is growing at food banks like the William Temple House in Portland, where the line for necessities like bread, vegetables, and toilet paper stretched two dozen people deep on a recent day. Now, it, think about the scenario that the people are in. All of the federal aid, the checks were plentiful. We had a rent, you know, you don't have to worry about paying your rent. Parents are getting extra money. And now all that stuff ends at the worst time because it just so happens to be the case that we've had so much inflation that the prices on, on everything have just skyrocketed. And now people are coming away from this economic aid and they just can't afford anything. What a terrible time to end all of this financial aid. 
that the government's been giving out. In March of 2021, President Biden signed the $1.9 trillion aid package aimed at helping people stay afloat when the economy was still reeling from the coronavirus. Just from the coronavirus. It was not, the economy was not vaccinated and it did not have a previous COVID infection and it's really old. It's a super old economy. So, you know, what are you going to do? In addition to the direct checks, the package included rental assistance and other measures meant to prevent evictions. It ensured free school lunches and offered expanded food assistance through several programs. Those programs helped the U.S. economy recover. It helped the U.S. economy recover far more quickly than many economists had expected. But they have run their course as prices soar at the fastest pace in 40 years. Please, New York Times, make the connection for me. Make the connection between the aid and the problem. Several factors have driven prices higher in the last year, including a shift in spending towards goods and away from services, supply chain snarls, a buying frenzy in the housing market, and an oil price spike surrounding the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Those things have all contributed. Another factor, at least in small part, is the stimulus spending that helps speed the economy's recovery and keep people out of poverty. More money in people's bank accounts translated into more consumer spending. So the factor that might have helped, at least in a small part, was giving a bunch of people a whole bunch of money. Just a, just a, little, just a little bit. Just a tiny, tiny bit. Now, I know that the Russia invading Ukraine, the gas prices spiked, all that stuff. Oils actually came down a pretty good amount since then. But I really hope that people will understand, will take away from this. I know that everyone listening will understand that, but we've got to continue to try to get this idea through people's head and explain it in the very best way possible. Human beings require incentives, and that, that includes human beings that are running corporations. Prices are set on goods and services, and those prices are generally uh, what people are willing to pay for those goods and services. They can have the most amount of volume versus the most amount of money coming in and the most that they can charge. And they find the equilibrium between those things and maximize the amount of profit that they can take in. And that is the way that these businesses work. Now, when you screw up both sides of this equation, one, the supply side and the other, the demand side, just like we talked about yesterday, when I went shopping last weekend, I saw that Sprite Zero, my most favorite thing next to Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar, which there's been an extreme shortage of recently, and I'm very upset about it. Um, there's been a, you know, an extreme shortage. Well, the price of the Sprite Zero was eight fifty per pack. Come on, this is not California. I know I'm in a Publix, but this isn't California. So I didn't buy anything. Now, what message am I sending to the company when I go in there and I don't buy anything? Probably I'm not the only one who didn't buy anything either. Probably a lot of other people decreased the amount of those items that they were buying because it became too expensive for people to buy versus what they felt like it was worth in their life and the amount of money that they are making compared to how much money they were making when the price of those same packs used to be $4.50 a couple of years ago. And so I decided not to buy. And likely a lot of other people decided not to buy. Now, when you do that, you send a message to the company that they need to find a way to lower their prices, either to the grocery store, who's got some wiggle room on that. Of course, grocery stores make hardly any, they, they make hardly any profit 
on their items, very, very low margin business, or the company itself that's selling those to the grocery store, you send the message to them that they need to lower their prices. Now, if you handed me uh, a couple thousand dollars and told me to go shopping and told me I needed to spend this, you know, go spend this pretty quickly, go shopping. In fact, you can just only use it at this grocery store. Let's just say that. In fact, here is a Coca-Cola coupon. You, can, you, sir, can buy $200 worth of Coca-Cola products today. I'm just going to give this to you. Now, when I go in there, am I going to buy anything? Yes, I'm going to buy roughly $200 worth of Coca-Cola products. I'm going to get all the Sprite Zero that they have. Now, do they receive the message that the prices are too high? What message do they receive in that circumstance? What they see is that they can basically charge whatever they want because people are still buying all of their products. There is no incentive for the prices to go down other than the virtuous benevolence of the people who own the company wanting to just be good people and perfect angels and help people out and charge way less money than they actually could. That is not a system that can be relied upon for anyone at all. And a lot of people who are socialists or whatever, communists, whatever you want to call them, they actually rely on that being the basic part, fundamental part of human nature, which it just is not, not even for them, whether they want to admit it or not. Anyway, we're not sending those incentives to the corporations. That was like a long time for one line of notes that I had right here. But anyway, while the extent to which the rescue package fed inflation remains a matter of disagreement, lawmakers have grown increasingly concerned that more stimulus could exacerbate rising prices. Now that's weird. This is a matter of disagreement, but lawmakers are concerned that more stimulus could exacerbate rising prices. Okay. What's happening? Remember, we're talking about this food bank. What's happening at the William Temple House is emblematic of the economic situation. Demand for food is swelling and officials here at the William Temple House are blaming the rising prices and lost federal aid. I'm not really making the connection of why we have the inflation in the first place. Then they talked to someone, Susan B. Smith, waiting in a line on Wednesday, said the federal aid helped her family endure the pandemic over the last year. Direct payments, along with three months' worth of rental assistance, that got them through the winter, that COVID winter of death. Now, most of that assistance is gone, and food and housing cost more. Reality that has forced Miss Smith and one of her daughters to seek help at the food pantry. Miss Clover, who works part-time for a social services agency, said her salary had not kept pace with her cost of living because everything is so expensive. The food bank, they served a lot of people in 2020. That number went down in 2021 when they had a lot of federal aid, but now it's moving back up to 2020 levels. And they have pinpointed the problem. They say there's a very direct correlation between federal assistance, state assistance, and the increase in numbers that they're seeing at the food bank. Now, I do, I got to give credit to the New York Times for dedicating uh, two sentences to the idea that potentially the economic stimulus packages had at least in small part aided in the inflation that we are seeing right now. They did at least mention it. At least they threw the idea out there. Maybe they planted that little seed in their batshit crazy readers' brains uh, that maybe they'll grow into a, a fully grown, fully brain functioning plant eventually. We'll see. That wasn't very nice. 
I apologize. Kind of. I kind of apologize. I think you guys get the idea. We have to draw the connection between these two problems, and we're not. And as long as we don't draw the connection between these two problems and people ignore that, ignore that reality, if they don't make it to step one, which is admitting that this is a problem, they're not going to make it through the rest of the steps. We, we've got to make sure that we pound that idea into everyone's head voluntarily, not like physically. Don't actually do it, okay? One more kind of white pill here. Well, I mean, this is a white pill. It's a good thing. So Singapore has ended their ban on, uh, okay, the end of Singapore's gay sex ban is a small step for some LGBTQ plus IRA couples. All right, so so that's good. That's a good thing. I do like that they ended the ban. However, they're not legalizing, they're just decriminalizing, you know. Um, Here's the... Here's the deal. So I've been to Singapore before, and I happened to also be traveling with someone who was gay. And we had to look up the laws before we went there. And it did, in fact, turn out that uh, we didn't want to see the person get caned in the town square uh, while we were there. So we were real careful about the gay uh, while we were there. And so to me, that's not a good thing. You know, you shouldn't have to worry about uh, going to prison or getting caned in the street or anything like that, getting fined or whatever, just because of what your sexual orientation is. That's a ridiculous thing. So they're ending that ban. They're decriminalizing, but they're not legalizing everything. So that's all. I'm, I'm all cool with that. I wanted to bring uh, one more one more thing into the picture. And this relates back to the conversation we had about Gavin Newsom and whether or not he is a fascist tyrant because he is uh, going away from democracy. Here's the problem to all of the democracy, democracy folks, the will of the people and what they want. Most of those people will probably agree that they don't want any penalties for being gay in their country. But here's the issue. 80% of people in Singapore support keeping that law, criminalizing homosexuality. Well, they say 44% in support of retaining it. Sorry, 20% support repealing the law. 44% in support of retaining it. Only 20% of the people want to repeal the law. 20% actually want to repeal the law. The other people, well, they're, you know, sitting on the fence, kind of going both ways. If you catch my drift. Well, what I'm wondering is, does that mean that that's good? Because it seems to be the will of the people. That's... Yeah, exactly. Exactly, Amanda. So this seems to be the will of the people. You know, only 20% of people want to repeal this law that criminalizes homosexuality. And for all the people who are pushing so hard for democracy and for the will of the people and the, the majority rules and all of that, that doesn't make it okay. In fact, I would think that you probably want them to get rid of this law even if you saw that most people don't want to get rid of this law. Wouldn't you? And that is because just because a majority of the people support something does not assign any type of moral virtue to whatever that thing is. It doesn't mean that it's right, and it doesn't mean that it's wrong. We have to agree on what the basic natural rights are. Now, with only 20% supporting the repealing of this law, Would I still repeal the law if I were in charge? Yeah, I would, because it goes against natural rights. You can't criminalize someone's sexuality. 
Now, whether or not they want to do the gay marriage thing, well, I would just say, well, how about the government just doesn't have anything to do with marriage? How about that problem right there? We'll just get out of the whole situation. You talk to the church about whether or not they want to do a marriage ceremony. That's up to you guys. I just want to make this point to people that Gavin Newsom decided that he wasn't going to support the will of the people and what the majority decided. And in this case, according to uh, openly on Twitter, blue checkmark, only 20% of people in Singapore want to repeal this law that criminalizes homosexuality. Does that mean that they need to keep it, Mr. Democracy? Mr. Major- Majoritarian? I don't think you would go with that. So let's not use those kind of ideas. On the bright side, I do think this is a step in the right direction for Singapore. It's actually, it's absolutely ridiculous for this. And there are still plenty of countries that need to go along the same lines. And trust me, I've traveled through some of the other ones as well. And I'll tell you what, doing the travels with my band and the fact that one of the people that was traveling with us is a homosexual, uh, we had to look up all the laws and we had to make sure that nothing, in fact, we were even worried about people's phones being gone through because that's a real thing as well. And there had to be stuff deleted from phones. There had to be stuff like that changed in phones. And another thing I want to get across to people is that while the United States is not, is not perfect by any means, of course, if it were perfect, we wouldn't be here talking right now. Man, I tell you what, before you, before you cast your stones, why don't you try traveling around some of these other countries out there? Doesn't mean, doesn't give any excuses, anything that's wrong in the United States. But good Lord, it gets way worse in a lot of places that we consider to be developed nations. It, it gets even worse. Trust me. And I'm talking about human rights. I'm not even talking about economics and all that. I'm talking about basic human rights. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's show, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children that they need to go listen and subscribe to Good Morning Liberty so they can get some good liberty information in their head. Every I'm going to just propagandize the liberty. I'm going to manipulate your family into being libertarians. Just give me the chance. You got to tell them about it. All right. If you do all those things, Charlie says he's going to be here tomorrow, but I don't believe him and neither do you, but you should check back tomorrow and see whether or not he is telling the truth. If you do all of that, then I'll for sure be here. We'll see about the other guy until then have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.